Hello and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast, the fastest growing conservative, evangelical, charismatic Anglican podcast in the entire Fox Chapel area. And we're back in Hughes' studio in the wow. seedy garret of Christchurch Fox Chapel. And I'm joined by all the Bens. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. All the Bens. It sounds so much more sophisticated when you call it a studio. Yeah, it does, isn't it? Rather than just my office. Well, this was once somebody's bedroom oh. back when this was a private house. It is. People get fired for sleeping in the office now, though. Who will read for us? Uh, I will. I think it was appointed. All right, here we go. Uh, we're in James chapter 5, uh, verse 7. Here we go. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. It's the word of the Lord. I know. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I can't stand grumblers. They're really annoying. They just, oh, they just really get under my skin. Oh, I can't. They're the, just driving me crazy. Like we're grumbling. I regret to say that I think I come from a long line of grumblers as a Brit. That's basically our national pastime. We just mm-hmm. um, relieve the pressure of life by constant grumbling. But you look very classy while doing it. Oh, that's kind. Yeah, and Thank it sounds—it sounds, it sounds um, much less grumbly than um, than it does here in the states. It's like—it's very subtle. I think it must be what you're used to. Um, Kat said just after we got uh, married, we we went on vacation with some friends <clears throat> from church, and uh, one of our friends was from Liverpool, where I'm from, which is really like the grumbling heartland of the UK, and. Um, she said by about halfway through the vacation that she was sick of our company because all we'd done all week long is grumble about everything. And, uh, you know, we're like, well, this is just banter. Surely this is just normal conversation. Uh-huh. But it was quite stark to her. I think as Americans, you're more optimistic. Maybe not in Pittsburgh, though. <laughs> no. But, but the rest of, the rest of the United, these United States, a little more optimistic than us. Well, you get 700 hours more sunshine in Pittsburgh than you do in the UK. So wow. like, this is my Florida. I think that's why my <laughs> countenance is... That's why. Yeah. Why you're just... You nailed it. That explains everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So this, this, what I find intriguing here, you know, Ben, last week, great sermon. You were talking about this warning to the rich, written really from the perspective of the oppressor. You know, hey, don't do this. And it's almost like James now flips to the oppressed and says... Well, there's a danger also, if you're the ones being attacked or or picked Mm -hmm. on or whatever, there's a danger for you spiritually too. Yeah. One of them is that you grumble. Yep. And what grumbling really is, theologically, 
is judgment. Yeah, and that's so interesting. That's something we take for granted or, or at least don't have a great awareness of. Like, what are we doing when we grumble, when we complain? Mm. We're casting judgment on people, on situations, on even the Lord himself mm. who, who's given us uh, this life. So, yeah, it, it, grumbling is, is a deep spiritual condition that James is calling out for us. Well, what is it about that that makes us feel... Because it feels good to grumble, right? Mm. Like, why does it feel good? Because mm. it's about putting people down and, and pointing out failures. And I guess the implication is, well, if I'd been in charge, it would have been better. Yeah, because uh, there's, something, there's something in grumbling that makes... <clears throat> like, when I, when I complain about something... Somehow I often feel better. And I, mm. I'm wondering like what that... I think it comes from a place of superiority, right? Of yeah. Of like trying to say, I know better, I can do better, I am better. And yeah. so pointing out that which I'm, I'm deciding is yeah. not good. Well, you, uh, once said in a, you once said in a sermon, Ben, that uh, anger was like magic, right? Because if you get angry, it suddenly gives you power. Do you remember that sermon? Yeah, that yeah. was John Paul's. I don't remember that sermon, but yeah, that was John Paul Sartre. Uh, that I stole that from. Oh, really? From a French. Philosopher. I thought you were gonna say John yeah. Paul Cheney. Oh like, no! Like, no way! Really? No, this is a dead French guy. Not okay. A, not a living American man. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is like that, right? It's that uh, does magic. This grumbling, because hmm. you're yeah. in this position of oppression, and, and you know, and there's no way out, and you're unhappy with people who are in charge. And if you can grumble against them, it gives you a sense of superiority. Control. Yeah, maybe. control. Huh. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And that was, that was your other point, Ben. Uh, we're not in control. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, especially when you... I, I think this is referring to... Previously, he's talking about the oppression of the rich, the mm. wealthy and wicked landowners. And he ends with, they've condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. And then, then turning to the righteous, the church again, brothers, yeah. be patient, therefore, until the coming of the Lord, because that's what's going to bring, I think, their vindication. Right, the coming of the Lord is, is the return of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Something that's alluded to a couple of times in this passage, uh, he says in verse 8, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So it's soon, right? And then behold, the judge is standing at the door. Mm-hmm. So, so Jesus, the judge, is coming soon. Yep. Be patient, he says multiple times. Yeah. Like it's coming soon, but the posture of our heart needs to be patience mm. and steadfastness. Yeah, maybe there's something in grumbling that is keying into this deep-seated longing for some kind of justice that we have. Mm-hmm. Like we, we want the, the Lord to come. Uh, we want things that are wrong to be made right, but... So that, so, you know, we, we do that, we do that grumbling, but James is saying like, Hey man, he's right there. <laughs> like, just let him, let, let Jesus take care of it. He's coming. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I, I think about the psychology of that because it feels so good to grumble, but it's not good for you. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but there's so many things like that, that are not good for you, that kind of entice. Yes. My kid's Halloween candy. Oh, yeah. The, ban- the, the banana ones, those are nice. What? The sticky banana what? flavored no. ones. Yeah, I like those ones. Get out of here. Yeah, I like those no. ones. Oh. Laffy Taffy, it's called. Yeah, and um, the little, remember the different flavored Tootsie Rolls? Yes. Those, those are, yeah. I enjoy those, except I, the banana ones. Except for the banana, sorry. No, I mean, I've never actually 
had one until I moved here. Really? Yeah. Oh. One of those wonders this is of why, American life. This is why the British gained control of the world and then lost control of the world because they had no taste. <laughs> but you are speaking from a position of intense ignorance because British candy is, is vastly superior. Oof. It vastly superior. And I'm sorry to announce that on the podcast, but it is true. Okay. Agree to disagree. I'm not going to grumble about that. I, that's very good of you. I am judging. I'm going to take my normal position and remain neutral in this conversation. <laughs> oh, did you hear that noise? We've just broken the studio. That was... Yep, that was me. I broke it. Sorry. That's okay. Hey, I got a question. Um, what does it mean, establish your hearts? Yeah. What does James mean by that? three-word phrase like how do I do that what do you guys think so I'm looking forward to discovering what it really really says and <laughs> Ben the sound guy has gone off um, to do some Greek research for us yeah. establish your hearts this is verse 8 right so it says you also be patient uh, and then this injunction establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand um, I mean, I'm picturing Lord of the Rings, which might help you. Uh, is it, it always king? Does. Who's the good king? Not Theoden. Who's who's the? Yeah. Who? Uh, Theoden, the king of Rohan. Yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rittermark. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't he, he gives this rousing speech? You no, know, stand firm. He gives this rousing speech. Yeah, something he, like that. Yeah, it feels a bit like that. Sort of getting ready. Mm. That's what it feels like. Readying your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Yeah. I, I think that like he lays it out with examples, what he means. Do you have the Greek? Is no, I'm, I'm looking at uh, some manuscripts of things I might have uh You're choosing new sneakers? you just on Amazon? No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at... Because I, I preached this passage once at a church somewhere else. Okay. Far from here. Okay. And, um, yeah, I, I think it sort of has this idea of, like, planting your feet, sort of. Um, Is it like stand firm when you get that? Yeah, uh, I'm, I need to look at the Greek. Because okay. um, sometimes you find um, words that look passive to us in English are actually quite active in yeah. the original language. Yeah, yeah the, the NIV translates it stand firm. Um, Is it? Yeah, and, and commentators said, like, if you want to get a sense of what establish your heart means, like look at the examples that James uses. He used the farmer in verse 7, the prophets who were patient, mm. verse 10, and mm. then Job who was like patient when things didn't go super sweet for him. Steadfastness. Right. Is what Job is called to. In, in uh, Roman warfare at the time, when they formed a shield wall, well, although they were standing, they were actually leaning in. So a defensive posture is actually aggressive. Hmm. Uh, I think that'll get preach that sometimes. That'll yeah, preach. That'll preach. I like it. Yeah. So. So how how then would I then establish my heart for the coming of the Lord? Yeah. Like, what's that look like for my day to day, our day to day? Well, I would say if you're going to hand over some of this junk to the actual Lord. So this grumbling is about making yourself the Lord, making yourself the judge, mm. which you're not. So how do you establish your hearts? How do you protect your hearts? And how do you guard your hearts and get your hearts ready for the day of judgment? Well, by confessing that you're not the judge. Mm. 
Mm. And it's easy to do that or easier to do that when you recognize who you are in Christ. As we looked a couple of weeks ago, an attack on someone made in the image of God is an attack on the creator of that image yeah. and the ultimate owner of that image, who is God. So I think to know that when people come against us as believers, especially for our belief, they're actually coming against God. Mm. So I don't need to grumble. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't need to... I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to like raise myself up at the expense of someone else because I'm secure in Christ. Mm -hmm. Because my identity is found in Christ and in eternity. My salvation is secured. I can be patient. I can trust. Yeah. I can let the Lord fight the battles and he'll win. Yeah, this was such a big thing this week, I think, for me. Um, and probably for a lot of people. Because uh, So, time of this recording, uh, it's... Uh, it's the Tuesday after the election, mm -hmm. which lasted like five days. And uh, it's it's this really uh, weird thing in the church among Christians because there's, you know, we were kind of all over the place on the political spectrum. Yeah. And it was sort of like an awkward family Thanksgiving dinner sometimes. Um, and, uh, but I, I think what was helpful for me is just that, that realization that like the Lord is at hand, uh, you know, no matter mm. where your political stuff lies, like, well, this isn't this guy or this guy are not my hope. Um, like, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, there's a different I serve a bigger king. And he's actually coming back. And yeah, like that's where my identity, that's where the locus of my identity has to be. Mm -hmm. You're referring to the British monarchy. Yeah, yeah, the queen. Uh, that's totally it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I think... <laughs> you guys are coming back? You're... <laughs> We're expecting you to come back. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I think... I think it's really helpful. I woke up the day after... the, the Quote-unquote the day after the election. The day after day one of the election. Um, feeling very calm and, and very happy. It had pushed me back into... Uh, a trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. My calm and happiness was utterly nothing to do with the result um, or or anything like that. It was to do with the way the election served as a reminder to me that, that actually I serve Jesus Christ and I trust in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really good. It's a good reminder for those that are delighted by the election result and those who are dismayed. Yeah. Um, that... It's not immaterial, it's not insignificant. The election is a huge issue and the president is possibly the most important person on the planet. But there's such a gap between that and the next guy up. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, No, that's really great. I mean, what, what struck me about your farming thing or, or James's farming image about, um, you know, the farmer patiently waits for the rain is that the rain does come. Yeah. So... It, Although there's uncertainty about when the rain comes, yeah. the, there's no uncertainty about whether it will ever rain again. Jesus will return. We yeah. just don't know when. Even, even there's going to be seasons of drought and rain yeah. does not come. There's yeah. early rain, there's late rain. Uh, but God will take care of the earth that he's made and he will mm. bring, bring rain to water the earth and Jesus will come uh, to judge all things. It's, it's something we can establish ourselves on mm. and be sure and secure in. The, the end of this little passage, which is, you know, verses, tw or just verse 12, actually. 
it's another one of those James things where you're like, oh, God, why are we talking about this now? Yeah. Um, but he says, I'll read it. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either or either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. That's sort of intriguing. It doesn't directly seem to relate to this. Yeah, well, I wonder if it's in the matters of their grumbling among each other and okay. the conflicts that we were talking about the previous chapters of James, like how they're how they're relating to each other by swearing and making oaths. And I think James is almost directly quoting Jesus here, isn't he? Like in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6. I forget the exact reference. Matthew 5, 33 to 37. There you go. Uh, ben has the direct reference because he's an encyclopedia of biblical knowledge. And yeah, that's it. That was totally top of <laughs> Hastily closing actually, down his Amazon window. <laughs> I actually may or may not have taught this that exact passage in youth group on last Sunday. So well, that's God's uh, timing is the right timing. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Why we've got me preaching this? <laughs> <laughs> you need the ex- experience. Uh, clearly, I need to catch uh, up. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I think that G- James is <laughs> quoting Jesus here and, and hearkening back to that as maybe another linchpin of how we relate to each other and how we grumble against each other mm. and instead just let your word be simple, uh, let your right. word be true. And then the more elaborate, I'm guessing you probably dealt with this at the youth group, but the more elaborate uh, people's protestations of sincerity become, the more unbelievable they sound hmm. well i swear on my mother's grave i swear on my baby's eyes i swear on a stack of bibles and my this baby's gonna... eyes yeah, like that. So yeah. The, you know great pharisaical oaths are uttered um i'll be honest with you i love that one yeah i haven't been well, honest before to tell you the truth to honest. tell you the truth <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah can we please rewind this conversation and can you, can yeah. you just revisit what which part of this was not truthful so far yeah, with the whole, it, it just makes you sound like a liar. Yeah. Yeah, which most of us probably are. Well, he says that when you do these, when you swear and make these oaths, you are falling under condemnation, is the last uh, words of this verse. Because why? Because you're going to break the oath. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's also um, just revealing insincerity and revealing, trying to make things... Uh, to swear by things that you don't need to swear by because if you need that then you're not good for your word mm. I think uh, right you're not being true to your, to your own words just always be trustworthy just yeah. be um, genuine I think it's yeah trying to lean us towards just a simplicity of heart and speech and that character that's hard it's really hard mm. I always want to like kind of twist the situation a little bit in my favor you know like, uh, maybe I won't directly say no to something that I want to say say no to because that might displease the person. Or uh, maybe I'll say, like, you know, the, let's say like uh, there's a project that I'm supposed to have done. You'll say, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm almost there. And maybe, I, maybe I'm only, like, halfway done. You it's know? in you the just... mail right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great one, isn't it? I've, it's in the mail, um, but it isn't. That's a terrible thing. That catches you out, doesn't it? When they see the postmark on the thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
talk amongst yourselves. Alex I've, has a prayer book. I've out. reached for a prayer book because I've gone for the articles of religion which deal with the question of oaths, and I'd like to finish with it. That's oh, right. Yeah. Um, but there are 39 articles of religion, and I cannot find the one on oaths. <laughs> so well, I can't tell you off the top of my head. Maybe Ben could. Uh, oh no. Which uh, one? Was oh, you taught on it last week, no doubt, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, uh, I'll give you a Thomas More quote, though. Uh, it said, when a, when a person, when a man takes an oath, he holds himself, his own self in his hands like water. And if he opens his fingers, then he needn't hope to find himself again. Ooh. Hmm. Thomas More. Thomas huh? More. Uh, not an Anglican. No. <laughs> Interesting person to quote in an Anglican church. Hey, but he was—he uh, was legit. He was, though. He was, he was a, a guy believer. character. He was a believer. He loved Jesus. Man of principles. Man for all seasons. It, <laughs> a terrible play. It's a terrible. <laughs> oh. oh, they forced me to read that. Who was it? Tom Stoppard. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Miserable. They made me watch the, the. Stu- I'm going to grumble now. They made, <laughs> they made me watch it. It was a miserable play, and uh, as a Protestant, it's not something I enjoyed very much. Mm. If you cut down all the trees, sir, and you're just the man to do it, I hate it. Oh, no. <laughs> I have found, uh, ironically, it's Article 39. It took me a while to find it. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I guess that shows how unimportant, really, it was. Um, yeah. As we confess that vain and rash swearing is forbidden in Christian men by our Lord Jesus Christ and James, his apostle, so we judge that Christian religion doth not prohibit but that a man may swear when the magistrate requireth in a cause of faith and charity, so it be done according to the prophet's teaching in justice, judgment and truth. So in other words, uh, you can still appear in court and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Mm. And um, I'm not quite sure why. I guess what it's driving at is, is that if you're using these kind of oaths as a kind of system to, to bolster your credibility, and in particular, if you're using Christ as, as a system to bolster your credibility, because you have no credibility, then there's a problem. Mm. So uh, we, we read the passage out on Sunday, and then I asked, like, has anybody taken an oath this week? Uh, and, the only per- <laughs> and the only person who violated, who quote-unquote violated the command was Catherine Parham. <laughs> so, I thought that was great. What uh, oath had she taken? Uh, she, oh, she's a, uh, I forget what it was. She, she served, uh, she served during the election day as like a deputy uh, or yeah. something like poll that. Watcher. So she it was a cooler name than that. Uh, yeah, as a poll watcher, which, that's so her. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll just, I'll show up and serve in this. Uh, the British this thing. woman serving our democracy. Yeah. Oh, uh, she might be a citizen. Uh, Soon another British woman will be serving your democracy when you serve her Britannic Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that is democracy. It is. I think that ceases to be. No, I didn't elect her. I didn't vote for her. <laughs> of course, it's a democracy. It's a constitutional monarchy. This is turning into that awkward democracy. Thanksgiving dinner now. Uh, better than your tawdry electoral dictatorship <laughs> I, anyways I took us way off track but my point was like I, I think that Jesus and James are getting at something more than like 
don't take an oath in court. Um, yes, I think um, that's right. Although I, the verdict's out for me on that one. Sorry to sorry, Cranmer and Thirty Nine Articles. I'm still not. I'm still not utterly convinced. I don't. Personally. I'm not. I mean, I read it out. I'm not quite buying the logic. I, I think what yeah. he's. I think what he's driving at is. Um, if if just day in day out you're using your apparent faith to win people over and get them to trust you when in fact you're actually untrustworthy then that's a problem hmm. it's control interestingly paganism had a system of oaths there's a huge system in paganism fate was balanced with oath and fate you know is determined there's nothing you can do and oaths were actually about bringing control into a system that felt outside of your control. Uh, oaths, you know, I'm going to swear to do this, this and this and bind myself to stuff. So there could also be a bit of binding going on here. Mm. Let's not put ourselves in the debt of, of people, be unequally yoked with, with non-believers and mm. put ourselves in people's power because this oath has bound us up when, when we shouldn't be bound. Huh. That was a good point from your sermon that you just preached. Thanks. It was actually from the author Bernard Cornwell, who Bernard writes Cornwell. yeah, writes an excellent series of books on uh, on paganism. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a great. That can't be the Warpian crescendo. We can't recommend people go and indulge in a load of seventh century gibberish. Ben, do you have anything Christological for us? That's the most. Uh, let your word be enough and establish your identity in Christ. How about that? Mm. That's great. It's wonderful. I sense that uh, our, our house band is going to join us. So thank you so much for listening to this week's gibberish. We're very grateful that for some reason you continue to listen. I know on long journeys there's a desperate paucity of good things to listen to and that's the only explanation, but we're still grateful. Here we are. Bye. We love you.